0: Well, good morning, Austin Oaks Church family and friends. Good morning. Good morning. Glad to have you. Um, hey, happy Father's Day. Come on. We thought what better way to celebrate Father's Day by putting you a little bit in a food coma and making you really hungry for lunch by giving you bacon. Um, yeah. Um, glad to have you this morning. morning. Uh, Brandon Zisky lead pastor. If you're visiting with us, we're thrilled to have you here. Just want you to know a little bit about this morning. This morning is going to be different, okay? And I know that some people don't like change, and some people are probably like, wait a second, we still got a few more songs to go. What, what are we doing? We're going to change things up, but before we do that, I want to stay in the posture of celebrating because last Sunday, if you were with us, we had Celebration Sunday where we celebrated. Yeah, it was awesome. We saw many people get baptized. Um, we even encountered someone professed faith for the first time that Sunday and get baptized that Sunday as well, which was awesome. Um, but as you saw here in these pictures, We couldn't have done that last Sunday without our amazing volunteers. Yeah. I mean, they smoked what seemed like 3,000 pounds of pulled you know, pulled pork, of pork that they pulled, right? You don't smoke pulled pork. And sausage and all that kind of stuff. And it was awesome. They sat there, they served, and it was amazing testimony. I love that even our older generations and younger generations were doing it together. That's our heartbeat. We want to see every generation made alive in Christ. And so we are excited about that. But also, um, this week in this space, you, you have no clue what happened in this week, but our high school ministry, some of you do, our high school ministry had their annual road rules event. And typically that, that is an event that they go all over the state in all sorts of mysterious places and locations. But they decided to do it local, and they used this place, this room, as kind of like base camp. So they slept here, okay? So I'm amazed with our janitorial team that it smells good. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, so praise, praise the Lord for that. But awesome, God moved in amazing ways. This week, there was a lot of students who... Confessed certain sins that were holding them back and dealt with issues in their heart that they needed to with the Lord. But also two students professed faith for the first time as well, which was amazing. And also, I can't think of a better way to celebrate Father's Day. And to continue in the heartbeat of celebration by celebrating another baptism. They wanted to get baptized last Sunday, but they were getting ready for college. And so I'm going to invite uh, Gordon and his son Asher to baptize. Gordon's going to baptize his boy Asher
1: this morning. Love, love that we uh, get to do this. I got to to hang out with these guys on Friday afternoon and uh, talk to them a little bit. And Gordon said, you know, on Father's Day, I, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to look at my son and make it through, so would you ask the questions? I said, gladly. So we, we love baptisms here, and I, I loved getting to know Asher a bit and hearing uh, what Christ has done in his life. It's important for you to know that this is an outward testimony of what God has done inwardly in, Asher, in Asher's life. And so we're going to celebrate together. I'm going to ask him a few questions, and then Gordon, his dad, is going to baptize his son on Father's Day. Yes, yeah. So... Asher, do you believe that Jesus is God's one and only son, and that he was sinless, and he came to earth, and he died on the cross, and then he rose on the third day? Yes. And have you placed your trust completely in him? The forgiveness of your sins only found in Jesus Christ. Yes. And uh, Asher, would you tell us just a little bit of what Christ has changed in you since he saved you?
0: Uh, Made me a lot more content.
1: I used to, like, want things, but now I'm just content. And I want to give a special thank you to Stephen Hoffman, Lucas Jackson, and Miles Barrow for uh, helping me on my journey with Christ. Awesome. Let's praise the Lord for those guys discipling you. Very cool. So contentment found in Jesus Christ because you believe he is enough for you. Amen. And so why are you being baptized today? Uh, I just think it's time I show people. I've been thinking about it for a while, and uh, I just think it's time. Time to show people that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, Gordon, you take it away, my friend.
0: So, Asher, as your brother in Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in death
1: and raised to walk with him in newness of life. All right, praise God. Woo!
0: Man, God is so good. 1 Corinthians 4.20 reminds us that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. What we do on a Sunday morning and what we do with our faith, this isn't just semantics. This isn't just religious function. It's a matter of power. It's a matter of life and death. And, and I love that this church has a value To want to see the emerging generations come to know jesus and i love that we have that value of where we express the church that we need every generation to reach the emerging generations and so i want to i want to partner with asher and just say thank you to all of you who serve in our children's ministry who volunteer in our children's ministry i want to thank all of you who serve in our youth ministries Because what you do matters. It helps people see Jesus and paves the way for them to say yes to Jesus. And so thank you so much. Worship is the most important thing that you'll ever do in this life. We are worshipers. Every single one of us are worshipers. It's how we are created. We give our hearts to whatever it is that we worship, and our minds and our wills follow suit. Worship is a big deal, as we've been talking about the last few weeks, and we saw in Scripture that God is actively seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and truth. God is seeking worshipers. That is a crazy thought. He's looking for people who will worship him in spirit and truth. If that is true, then could it be said that the church's primary task is ultimately to worship him? Oh, wait, Brandon, but isn't the church's primary task to go into the world to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey? Yes, but that only happens as a result of those who will worship Worship is the fuel for everything we do. And we've been asking the question, why do we gather together on a Sunday? Why do we sing? Why do we sit underneath the word of God? Why does this happen? And why is this important? We've been discovering that worship shapes us. It conforms us into the image of Christ. When we come together, we are reminding our hearts where to place its trust, where to put its hope. That we have one who is higher than any of our circumstances, than any of our situations. But this morning, I also want to talk about another aspect of why corporate worship is so important. We are shaped by worship, but we also need to realize that when we worship, when we worship in spirit and truth, it's then when we experience the victory that we have in Jesus. Yes, Jesus is victorious. Yes, he defeated death in the grave, absolutely. But can it not also be true that even when we profess faith in him, that sometimes we still aren't living victoriously? That we still battle sin and oppression and that we still struggle? Worship is where the battle line is often drawn because the issue is the heart. And we already know that Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And we know that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy Worship in spirit its about worshiping with our affections, our souls, connecting to the truth of who he is. Worship is the battleground of faith. It's worship is how we stand firm in our faith. Worship is how we fight. And we need a community to be able to do that together. When we worship him and remember who he is and remember who we are, we will remember the victory that Jesus has won for us. We begin to experience all of the promises of God, which are a yes in Christ Jesus, which is why we say amen to the glory of God. Everything of our faith, everything of our Christian life stems from this. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to do something where we're going to give you an opportunity to experience and to practice worship as battle. And I want you to think about something specifically. What burdens did you come into church with this morning? What problems are you facing? What in your life is causing anxiety? What is oppressive to you? What is causing fear? where you're feeling hopeless or helpless, what are those burdens that you bring with you? On that card, that piece of paper that is on your seat as you walked in, I want to encourage every single one of you, think of that one problem. Some of you, I know, you're like, just one? (laughs) And I want you to think about that burden. It could be you don't know how to deal with the debt that's piling up. And it could have been one of those months or years where it's like your car broke down and then the washer broke down and this, that, and you're just like, of course, when it rains, it pours and you don't know what to do. You're not sure about the security of your job. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you had a spouse who sinned against you and you don't know what to do and you want to love and forgive and you're at a loss. Maybe it's sons and daughters who are wayward. Maybe it's an addiction that you're stuck in. Maybe it's a mental illness and you can't seem to get out of depression or know how to battle anxiety. What is the problem or the issue you are bringing with you this morning? Whatever it is, I want to encourage you write it down. Write it down. And the question I have is, what do you do to solve that issue? Where do you go as a refuge? This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to worship God to deal with them. We're going to remember who He is. We're going to remember His promises. And we're going to praise Him For the guarantee of victory, maybe not exactly how we expect it to go, the circumstances to be solved the way we want, but we already know what God will do because of his word and his promises. And I know this is so counterintuitive to how the world says this is how you should attack these problems. I know that many of us in this room, we go running to medicate our problems with our issues. To so some of us, we drink too much. Some of us are stuck in, you know, let's just say some drugs or whatever it is, self-medicating, relationships, binge watching, maybe just cheating, and we might even start to believe that hey, I deserve this cuz after all this is really hard. We're going to run to Jesus. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter 20. And we're going to see in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 a powerful story that helps us understand how we fight these battles in worship. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 1. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with some of them the Mennonites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Eden, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are on your doorstep. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he had every reason to be afraid. This is a great horde. This is an army coming from the east. They're advanced. They're much larger than you, and they're going to wipe you out. They are there. They will be here tomorrow, Jehoshaphat. You're the king. What do you do? Because your decision is going to have consequences on everybody else around you. Do you think he had reason to fear, to get a little anxious? And I love that scripture is brutally honest. The king of Judah was afraid. But I want you to notice what he did and what he did first. He set his face to seek the Lord. That's a passionate plea to worship him. And he fasted and he called the fast for all of Judah. And they all came together to seek help from the Lord. They all together came to pray in the fast. And ultimately to praise Jesus, to praise God, to hear from his word. I mean, he got some bad news. And the first thing he did is that he set his face to the Lord. What do you do when you get bad news? Where do you go when a significant problem is on your doorstep or maybe has just arrived? What do you do when you get that horrible news that you or your loved one just got diagnosed with cancer? When you are about to lose that job when she leaves you or when he leaves you? When the dead is crippling, what do you do? Where do you go? And yes, all of these problems matter. We're not making it trivial. We're not downplaying it. We're not going to give you some biblical Christian cliche thing. These things matter. They matter to God. God is our refuge. He is our ever-present help. And he gives us these solutions. And when we say we, we worship as the means to fight the battle, that is not a cliche That is God's grace given to us to know how to stand firm. He was afraid. He was terrified. And they came together, and we get a glimpse of what they did. Verse 5. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord. And he said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all of the kingdoms of nations and in your hand our power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to descendants of Abraham, your friend? Are you not God in heaven? He immediately is looking up. He's exalting God. He's looking to where God is. God is always high and exalted. Amen? Amen. Nothing that we can do will ever change that. But the problem is, when we hear bad news, when problems and issues face us, the anxiety seems to cripple us. When the solutions are running dry, we tend to exalt our problems and our circumstances. We tend to either put them at the same level of God or above God. They're all encompassing because our eyes and our heart are completely focused on them. In that moment, Jehoshaphat does what even Jesus taught his disciples to do when they pray. Say, our Father who art in heaven. Oh God, are you not the God in heaven? Are you not sovereign? Do you not control them all? Are you not powerful? He's preaching to himself. He's preaching to the nation. And of course, the answer is yes. When we worship God, when we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are exalting him. We are putting him in his rightful place. And I don't know how, any other way to say it. He is in his rightful place, but we tend to lower him in our lives. We tend to place other issues up there. So when we come together to worship, sometimes when I'm struggling, I need you and you and you to exalt him, to stir me up. And we collectively come together and we collectively seek our face and say, God, are you not the God in heaven? We remember that he made a covenant with us. That's this whole bit about like talking about Abraham. Did you not initiate this relationship? When we come to worship, we're not coming. We're not, God's not gonna respond based upon our commitment to him or our performance to him. He allows us to come and worship because of his commitment to us. He made that covenant. He is faithful to that. He's faithful to you. He cares. He's compassionate. He adopted you. He redeemed you with his blood. He brought you to himself, the one who is faithful to us. God is on his throne. His kingdom is a kingdom that will never be shaken. God has you. Right now, With whatever problem, issue, obstacle you wrote down, he has you, and God has it. Your problems don't define you. You're not under your circumstances. You're not under your problems, but you are under him. God is still high, and he's still exalted. So we're going to move into a time of worship together as a church And we're just going to remember that, that he is the Lord. He is the exalted one. He is the one that is high and above all. He is the one who is all-powerful. Isaiah 40, to whom will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created all these speaking about the stars. He brings out the starry host by number, calling them all by name, and by his greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow faint. He doesn't grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. Amen. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exalted. But those who wait for the Lord in a posture of worship and trust shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Philippians 2. Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He took on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Would you stand and let's worship the one who is high and exalted.
1: Is yours.
0: We enter worship remembering he's high, he's exalted. We elevate him. We set our eyes to him. We set our face to him. And what ends up happening? is we get ourselves to a place of praying and even, dare I say, praising him. Confessing in our praise our helplessness, our weakness, our powerlessness in the situation, in the circumstances. And while we declare this, we are also then declaring his power, his ability, his sovereignty, his love. Verse 12, this Jehoshaphat rounds out his prayer. For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We are powerless in light of this obstacle and this, this issue, this problem that's here. We're powerless. There's nothing that we can do. They didn't even try. They didn't even devise other strategies. They immediately understood their circumstance. They immediately knew where to run to. We are powerless in this situation. We don't know what to do not because we have exhausted our options because we just don't know but our eyes are on you that is the posture of worship God aren't you the one in heaven aren't you over all aren't you powerful Aren't you faithful? Didn't you start a covenant with us? Didn't you send your son, Jesus, to die? Aren't you now my advocate? Aren't you now my high priest? Aren't you standing at the right hand of the Father? Did you not send your Holy Spirit? Yes. I don't know what to do. And he's not like, this isn't like a pity statement. This is, I believe him, like, actually, God, I don't know what to do. My eyes are on you. Like, there is a posture of praise. Praise. This is boldness. God invited them to pray these types of prayers. God invited them to come with this type of boldness. When, God, or when Solomon dedicated the temple, God made a vow that when you pray, you call upon me, I will hear from heaven. And now because of Jesus, we have something far greater. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, we are exhorted to come to the throne of grace with confidence because Jesus died for us that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Worship is fighting a battle, friends. We need to get our hearts and our eyes up to him and come boldly to the throne of grace. He's inviting us to do so. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares. Matthew 11. Come to me. All you who are weary. All you who are burdened come, I will give you rest. We start by bringing our raw, honest selves, and we come together as brothers and sisters looking up, and then we come casting our anxieties. So now we're going to have a moment where whatever it is you wrote down on that card, whatever problem, whatever's causing fear, pain, anxiousness, whatever obstacle, by faith, we're going to draw near to the throne of grace, and we're going to say, I don't know what to do, I to... but my eyes are on you, and cast it on him. Lord, I pray for us, Lord, that through your spirit, you would minister to our hearts, That as we come to you, we would recognize that the cross reminds us that you nailed our, our debt, our sin to there and you, you, you destroy the powers that be. But also the cross is this reminder that you, you have your arms outstretched welcoming us, inviting us to come. Lord, forgive us for making our problems and our obstacles larger than you. Forgive us for making them higher than you and exalting them over you. Lord, we we place you by faith. We recognize that you are high and exalted. And God, now we come and say, we are powerless. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And we're gonna come by faith because you've told us to in your word to come with confidence to the throne of grace, to find mercy. God, we need your mercy. We got problems. Lord, we're gonna cast our anxieties on you because you care. So, Lord, would you work and meet in our hearts? So, friends, I want to encourage you. When you're ready, we're going to sing some songs. and I want to encourage you to be patient because there's a lot of people in here. We got thumbtacks here, and someone will pass them out for you. I want to encourage you to bring that issue, that obstacle, to the cross. And when you do, be worshiping by faith. Be reflecting on who he is. And when everybody's done, we'll, we'll come back together. Now what? Seems to be the million-dollar question. Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah, they worshipped, they recognized God as above all. They confessed their helplessness. They look to him, their eyes are on him. And God responded, God always responds. God will not delay, God always speaks into it. And in this story specifically, God's spirit stirred inside of a man, a Levite within the congregation, and he stood up and he gave a word of the Lord And back in those days, prophecies were authoritative. And he spoke authoritative as if God was speaking. And he said, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed at this great horde. He's not downplaying the obstacle. He's not downplaying the seriousness of the problem. He says it's a great horde. It's a great army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Go down against them. Verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. I love that God speaks into our situations. He knows the anxiousness of their hearts. He knows the burden they're carrying. He knows the problem that's at their doorstep. And He affirms them. He says, Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. Don't droop your head. This is not your battle, it's mine. Don't be afraid. It's as if God knows that even though they're worshiping him and recognizing him as high and exalted, and even though they're saying, hey, God, we're casting our anxieties on you, we're going to place them on you, he still knows they're feeling anxious. Don't be afraid. The problem that's coming at you, the problem that you're facing is mine to handle. Friends, God spoke similar words to us. For instance, John 16, For in this world, you're going to have troubles. Troubles of many kinds. But take heart. That phrase, take heart. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Take heart. I've overcome the world. The battle is mine, in other words. We're reminded in Romans 8, can anything, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation would ever be able to separate us from the love of Christ. And previously in Romans 8, 28, Paul even said, and we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. It might not work exactly how we want it to work out. It might not be the plan that we want it to be. But we know because God said he will turn all things out for good. And we know that no matter what comes against us, if God is for us, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now I know that some of you are like, well, what solution is that? It doesn't fix the debt problem, doesn't fix the marriage problem, doesn't fix the health problem. It gives us a peace. That surpasses all understanding. We get the peace of Christ, and in that peace, we're able to actually find a deep-seated joy, a place of rest, even though we're still feeling all of the things. We're able to be conquerors. Like this is why Jesus even said in um, John fourteen twenty-seven that peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I don't give as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The peace of God is a significant thing. He is with us. He will make a way. He will turn it out for the good. He does care. He does see. He has overcome the world. He is above all. He won't let you fall completely. He will comfort you in your sufferings with the same comfort that Jesus got in his sufferings. Now, this doesn't mean we do nothing and we just let go and let God God told him, tomorrow, go out to the front line. Well, wait, wait, God, I thought you said that I don't have to. You're right, but I still want you to face the problem. Tomorrow, go out to where the battle is. Tomorrow, go out in the front. Stand firm, hold your position, and watch what I'll do. You're going to walk out of here shortly. And you're going to have to face that problem. He knows that. Tomorrow, you go to the front line. Stand firm. Hold your position. He's high. We're powerless. He's able. And watch. Watch. God doesn't tell them how. He doesn't give them the solution. They have no clue what's going to commence. All they know is that God said, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to fight the battle, but you have a responsibility. You go out and you stand firm. In other words, you still have this posture of worship, but I'll take care of the rest. They don't know anything else. Friends, listen, we've, we've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given these promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us and that he will be with us always to the very end. We may not know the details of how God's gonna work in our circumstances or how he's gonna remedy the solutions. And sometimes he might not because he's still good and he knows what's always the best for his children. But they believed it to be True. They didn't know the outcome. They didn't know the solution. But they believed enough in God's word that God said it. I don't have a reason to be discouraged. I have no reason to be afraid. He's going to fight this battle. And so what did they do? They praised God right after they got that word. Before the battle. They didn't wait for the solution to worship him. They worshiped him when they heard the problem, and they worshiped him after God said, This is what I'm gonna do. They're like praising you. Tomorrow hasn't come yet. They're praising God as if he's victorious, as if he's gonna hold true to his word, which God is faithful to his word. His word was enough. Church, this is the struggle. This is where we wrestle with, with worship is that sometimes we come in our corporate gatherings, we hear the word of God, and we go, yeah, I don't know, that's not actually a good solution to my problem. What good does God's peace actually do in my circumstance? What good does bringing my problems on Jesus actually do? In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In fact, in John 5, 1 John 5, we're told that there's this faith that overcomes. Who is it that overcomes the world? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. God has given us his word. He's given us his promises. He's already promised that he'll turn out for good, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, that he'll comfort us in their sufferings, He'll work it out for good, that why we can always give thanks. We can always praise God. He's with us. He's with us in the fire. He won't let us fall completely. The external circumstances didn't change. What changed in that worship was the internal. And that's why this matters, because worship is where the battle of faith is. And so they rose early in the next morning. Jehoshaphat goes to the nation and says don't be discouraged don't be dismayed and then he organizes people worship leaders to be on the front line and they go out to the battle lines worshiping they get out there and they're worshiping and then God sets an ambush they stood firm and they held their position how by worshiping So what we're going to do is that we're going to do that. We're going to worship and give God glory and praise ahead of time, because we already know that He will turn out, whatever your circumstances, for good. We already know that He gives you His peace. We already know these things. Is it enough for us to give him glory? Is he worthy of that right now? Job 1, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be his name only when he gives, though. The Lord gives and takes away. Blessed be his name. Is God compassionate? Is God gracious? Does God work all things out? Is he not the God of heaven? Yes. So let's worship him and let's praise him in faith believing that all we have to do is stand firm, hold our position, face those problems in the posture of worship, and we will see God work things
1: out. Amen.